Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I hope you had a wonderful week. I feel like it has been such a whirlwind of a week. There's so much happening and Bravo has consumed much of my week. I was so lucky to see Andy Cohen at Sixth and I on Thursday this week. His new book, The Daddy Diaries, we got signed copies and he got to sit down with Jen Psaki, who is the former press secretary uh, for Joe Biden. And that was just such a fun conversation. It was so fun to be in a room of Bravo lovers and to kind of see his energy. And he talked about so many different things from, you know, parenthood to what it's like to juggle his career with kids to everything going on with Scandival and Housewives. So I had such a great time. I also, so my birthday is this coming week on Monday. And uh, as a gift to myself, I decided to book an astrology reading with Allie Luber, um, who is on Vanderpump Rules. And it was honestly an incredible an incredible reading. I've never had my astrology chart read. It was a very like moving experience for me. So if you guys are interested in that, I do re- recommend her. She's really good. Um, it's also Mother's Day if you guys are listening on Sunday. So shout out to all the moms and people celebrating and also um, just extending a hug, a virtual hug to everyone uh, out there like me who has lost their mom and for whom the day can be kind of tough. But my dad and my stepmom Joyce are going to be in town this weekend and we will all celebrate each other um, and my birthday. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. I am so excited that the Real Housewives of Atlanta is back. It brought all of the energy I feel like we've been missing on Jersey, which is like a little bit more fun mess, kind of not so deep and entrenched kind of family drama. Um, although <laughs> it's important to note that Kim Zolciak Behrman and Croy Behrman have filed for divorce this past week, which leads me to wonder, do you guys think that Kim will ever be back on Atlanta? I don't think she will, but she is good friends with Sheree. So I do think like there is a slight chance. I don't know, but this divorce sounds so, so messy. You know, I don't know what to believe anymore. <laughs> so it sounds like he's in the house with the kids, but like not sure what she's doing. I I hope it gets resolved in a way that um, is as least impactful on their kids as possible. Although, yeah, public eye divorce, not easy. Well, okay. So I did a little bit of diving into Martel, who is Sheree's boyfriend. And this just tracks, like everything about him tracks with everything we know about Sheree. She is notoriously bad at picking men, 
her husband. I mean, we all know how that ended. Um, that was terrible. You know, the guy from prison whose name I can't remember. You know, now she's got Martel. At least she seems happy with it. She doesn't seem to care about his past or things that he's done to other women. She seems to think that it won't happen to her. Or maybe, maybe she's not as into him as she's coming across. And so her heart wouldn't get broken if he cheats on her or something like that. Um, for those of you who have not watched Love and Marriage Huntsville, which um, I have not, but he's known for cheating on his wife with his mistress who was pregnant with his fifth child. Um, he's also very openly homophobic. Um, and then I also read that as recent as two months ago, he may or may not have been um, in trouble for domestic violence with an ex, but there are no mugshots or court records. So I actually don't, I don't believe that there would be court records mugshot um, if, if something like that happened. Um, Candy and Monietta have heard that Martel is dating another woman in Atlanta, which is not shocking at all. But when they confront Sheree, she's like, well, if he's cheating, then he's just downgrading. Like, I kind of love that attitude, you know, like she's just like, what else? Like, <laughs> she seems to be happy with whatever is going on and whatever amount of attention he is giving her. So if she wants to live in this sort of delusion that he is this wonderful man who is obsessed with her, then sure, like, let her have it. I don't know. I don't mind charades delusions. I don't feel like they're very harmful to other people. I did not like the friend of Courtney thus far. Um, maybe she'll grow on me, but she is Sheree's friend. I don't like the people Sheree brings onto this show. <laughs> I like Sheree, but her friends are kind of whack. Uh, the whole thing with Courtney, I couldn't even follow. It was like, Candy, you said you didn't know me that well. And Candy's like, I don't know you that well. I don't understand what the argument is about. But I'm so tired of people coming on this show and trying to start a issue with candy I feel like they just want to like poke her and then that's their story I don't know we don't know anything about Courtney like nothing about her um Drew wasn't in this episode but Ralph shows up to the party that Sonia is throwing for her husband's 40th birthday and he says that she's not there because there is a family emergency but we have since heard from Carlos King that she, she being Drew, was actually negotiating her contract still when they first started filming. So the first few weeks of filming, she may not be in. Um, so that is really interesting. It's interesting that he's so thirsty to be on camera that he went to an event where he's filming when his wife doesn't even have a contract. But I don't put anything past Ralph. And then it was nice to see Marlo working with this life coach and her boys, but it all does read a little bit set up. She clearly, with everything that happened last episode and kicking her nephews out of her house, <laughs> that didn't go so well. And I know she got a lot of uh, pushback for it. And so hopefully that they do feel welcome in her home and they have worked together as a family on kind of how to to move forward. 
Speaking of moving forward, no one is moving forward on The Real Housewives of New Jersey. (laughs) Although I did like this episode because we had a lot of scenes that did not involve Teresa and Melissa. And I'm here for everyone but Teresa and Melissa at this point. I am obsessed with Jen Fessler's mom and aunt who are identical twins. They're 80. They are, oh my God. They're so, so funny and the energy they bring and the fact that they were friends with Barbara Streisand growing up. I mean, I love absolutely everything about them. And they're the perfect scene partners because when Margaret was, you know, sharing things that were going on in Ireland and like drama in the group, they had the perfect reactions to absolutely everything that was being said. They were so quick witted. I'm obsessed with them. I would watch a spinoff of them and Marge Sr. And like, (laughs) I I love it. Um, I also enjoyed the dinner between Dolores, Frank, their partners and their kids. I hope that Frank is, you know, accepting the fact that Dolores has moved on with someone and that he doesn't get to play that role of like a sort of a fake husband. Part of me wonders, is he worried about the family dynamic between them Or is he actually worried about his spot on the show because he always filmed as as Dolores's sort of person, her, you know, all the husbands film and he kind of was her husband because she never had a partner that wanted to film. But now she has Polly and Polly seems perfectly fine being in front of the cameras. So maybe Frank feels threatened in that way. But I don't know. I hope that they're able to kind of move forward and be as mature as those damn kids are because their kids are absolutely lovely and just so mature. (laughs) And that's the kind of brother-sister relationship that it's like I wish that Teresa and Joe Gorga had. But Teresa still is hung up on the idea that anything Joe Gorga does that's bad is because Melissa's in his ear. And that's not great. And, you know, all of it is just, it's so annoying. And it's so not fun anymore. Um, I did like watching the scene with Jennifer Aiden and her brother who is moving from Turkey with his wife and their kid. Um, they got an apartment in the U.S. that Jen helped put together. And I know, yeah, this is like for a show and everything. But Jen does strike me as the person who really is there for her family and as someone who is in a better place financially than probably other members of her family. The fact that she's so generous, I think, is a really beautiful thing. And you can tell how happy her sister-in-law is to, you know, be in the U.S. and have this apartment. And, you know, we'll we'll see how, how they adjust to life. I know that her sister-in-law kind of has this attitude sort of waiting around for her husband all day. And I'm very glad that Jen doesn't do that. I'm glad that she had all those kids so she's busy and doesn't have to sit around and wait for her husband. But it does make me sad that... Bill just views his role as being a provider and doesn't really spend as much time with her or the kids. And the fact that he goes directly to the pool house after work is it's like, come on, man. It's 2023. Like, if you're going to have kids, raise them. <laughs> Be with them, you know? 
I don't know. And the fact that he won't like do therapy or talk to someone is also not great. It it's not because he you know if he thinks he's too good for it. It's his wife is asking him to to do something. It means something to her, and if it means something to her, then he should take that into consideration. Um, I absolutely love the story of Rachel and John Fuda and Jaden and the adoption. I talked about it a little bit on last week's podcast, but it made me feel so much better seeing Jaden in this week's episode talking about how he's always wanted this. It seems like Rachel Fuda has always been the mother figure in his life since he was about seven years old. And... It's a it's a beautiful story that they have each other and that they have this strong bond. And I hope things work out. But, you know, he's already 15. He's going to be 18 pretty soon. If the whole adoption legal situation doesn't pan out, I mean, she still is a parental figure in his life. And he loves her very much. And I, I think that bond that they have is is really beautiful. So made me shed a little tear. Don't really want to spend a whole lot of time on Louis's rant about Joe Gorga. I mean, it's very off-putting when you see someone that angry. I get it. He's really angry. But what he's saying is so, like, the diabolical, like, absolute opposite of what he had been saying earlier this season about how he wants things to work out and... I- I don't know. I I don't know exactly what made him flip a switch. I'm hoping that maybe at the reunion, finally, we'll understand, like, what exactly is everyone so goddamn mad about? I know that Teresa and Melissa have, you know, such a long history, and everyone's upset about all those years of history. And is is Louis just upset because he's watching this and it's not getting solved, and he thought that he could bring everyone together or because they're questioning him and his motives for marrying Teresa or questioning his business or I don't know. All of them seem like they're terrible in business. <laughs> they're so goddamn shady and they are awful at communicating and none of them seem like they really do want to solve it. So I don't know how we move forward with next season. It just came out uh, in the last couple of days that production will not resume this summer on The Real Housewives of New Jersey and that they will start filming maybe in the fall or the winter to give some time to figure out casting. But I just don't want to watch another season of the Gorgas versus the Judices and Louie. I'm just fucking done. What I am not done with is Vanderpump Rules. Holy shit. I am like absorbing every single moment of every episode. You know, there's so many of these Easter eggs and it is stomach churning to watch, but it's also wild. Like how brazen they are being when we see this conversation between Sandoval and Ariana and he's airing grievances that he has about their relationship and rather than argue with him she's talking about ways to fix the relationship and I just don't know that he expected her to do that and then later in the episode she's even like oh see like I'm getting drunk with you because you like doing that you know and she's being genuine we are watching a man who turned 40 in July of 2022 
and started, I believe his midlife crisis or whatever kind of crisis he's been going through has been slowly building, but it took off as soon as he turned 40. That was the month that he allegedly started the affair with Raquel. He is like seeking more and more adrenaline and altered uh, experiences. I mean, he's always been into mushrooms and that kind of stuff, but it seems like it's become almost a little bit of an obsession for him. It's not just like an escape here and there. It's how he wants to live life in that state all the time. Schwartz and Sandy is, is supposed to feel like a trip. And I always get a little bit nervous when people are always seeking something because like that because it seems like they don't like reality. And so they're always trying to alter the reality and bring everyone with them in this like altered state. And when people don't go along with it, they put them down. And the fact that Ariana wants to sit on the couch and watch TV with her boyfriend and cook dinner with him and have like low key quality time. And he's like, that's not quality time. Quality time is going hand gliding with me and doing drugs and staying awake until the sun rises. I don't know. It's it's uh, it's painful to watch. It's like I feel like he needs help, but I wish he got that help prior to um, harming so many other people around him. I I do believe that he. I know we all know that Tom Schwartz found out about Raquel and Tom Sandoval back at the end of August, beginning of September, but. According to him, and I, I'm starting to believe this theory, he thought it was a one-time thing that Sandoval said that he messed up and didn't continue doing it. And it was never discussed again. Now, if I was Tom Schwartz and I was the friend, I would ask my friend, hey, so that thing that you did when you cheated on your partner, like, is that still ongoing? Like, are you going to talk to her about it? You know, I, I would ask a couple questions. And I don't know if Schwartz is that kind of a friend that would ask questions. He just kind of accepts things. And he said that he didn't really find out that things were continuing until about January. So he was pretty shocked. And I, again, why is everyone so shocked? He, of all people, was the one that was told that something had happened between them. It was also very shocking to watch Raquel pry and try to find out more information about Ariana and like where she's at mentally in the relationship with Sandoval, you know, saying you should want to have sex with your partner and kind of making her feel bad for not wanting to do that all the time. And I don't know, it's all kind of awful. And it, you, we all felt it, right? We're all watching, and it seems as though Raquel is trying to get it out of Ariana that Ariana is no longer attracted to Tom Sandoval and doesn't want to be with him anymore. And she says the exact opposite. So they're going to have to, you know, keep <laughs> keep lying to her. And the fact that it's so easy for them to do it is what's so scary, you know? And what's interesting is this episode was supposed to be the finale. So we're really focused on the Schwartz and Raquel makeout drama. But 
That is just so wild. The fact that Schwartz doesn't understand why Katie is still mad at him. He really thinks that he can have his cake and eat it too, that he can have that friendship with her and she can say, here's my boundary and he can just blow right through it and that she will have to just keep being friends with him. She'll be mad for a day and get over it kind of a thing. But she say, no, like I told you and we're not together anymore. So I don't have to have a relationship. I don't have to talk to you all the time. And when her mom, Terry Maloney, shout out to Terry. She follows this podcast. When she was trying to sort of let Raquel know like why it was so hurtful, not in an angry way, but just like in a hey, this is my daughter. This is why it's so hurtful. Raquel was so dismissive and so rude. And again, I <laughs> I find myself siding with Lala with like a who raised you? Even if you felt that way, like what, Terry? And oh God, why would you say that out loud? Why would you show that? And Apparently, there was a whole lot that was cut out. We all know things are cut out because they have to, you know, they have to make this in 40 something minutes and they don't have all the time in the world. But apparently, Tom Sandoval was yelling at Terry and, you know, people, I guess, um, Katie's brother was there and he was telling Tom Sandoval to shut up. And I mean, no wonder Ariana is in the corner crying on Lisa Vanderpump's shoulder. I mean, you could tell she was just like looking for a maternal person to calm her and to comfort her. And her boyfriend is nowhere to be found. Never, not once comforting her. We saw her lose her dog of 18 years. We saw her lose her grandmother. And we're not witnessing any sort of like comfort other than, oh, by the way, I buy batteries for our apartment or our house or whatever the fuck where they live in Valley Village. I am so livid at how he thought he was going to get away with making her the villain, breaking up with her, us being like, oh, wow, I understand. He wasn't getting affection from her. And then, you know, waiting a period of time, being kind of down low for six months, and then magically finding love with Raquel. It's all just, it's dirty, it's gross, but I'm here for every second of it. It's so interesting to watch, and the trailer for the reunion came out, and James Kennedy makes me laugh so hard. By the way, I also loved in the scene where James and Allie meet LVP, and James is saying, I'm going to this music festival, I'm going to DJ, and Allie's coming to support me. And LVP is like, oh, more like keep an eye on you. And Allie's like, no, I'm going to support. I loved that. You know, you don't need someone to constantly undermine your partner. And and Lisa Vanderpump does this to people all the time. She says these jokes and she, she acts as though it's British humor, but there, it's just things that are just kind of like poking and kind of mean. And I, I was glad Allie said that. So, oh my goodness. Well, this week on the podcast, I have a lovely woman named Emma Oyomba. She is a huge fan of Summer House. And since 
this week premiered Summer House Martha's Vineyard. I had her on to talk about the Summer House in the Hamptons and the Summer House in Martha's Vineyard. And one of you, or actually a couple of you, have reached out to me about some of the posts that Corey has liked that were transphobic and wanted me to address that. So we do talk about that a bit. Um, But I, (laughs) something I didn't mention when I was talking about this is... If we want to be fair, right, and talking about calling out transphobia, the person on Bravo who has been, who's currently on Bravo slash Peacock and is the most openly anti-transgender is actually Martina Navratilova. Um, If you guys go look at her Twitter, she, you know, has a lot of opinions in the area of trans women and sports, but it seems to kind of go a little bit farther than that. And so I don't see a lot of people calling her out for that. But you guys will hear my opinion when Emma and I I talk about it. So we have such a fun conversation. If you guys have not tapped in or tuned in to the Martha's Vineyard Summer House, I highly recommend it. It's a great cast. There is so much happening and it's very entertaining and fun and it's not as dark. I feel like sometimes these shows go on so long and you get to know all the relationships and then things seem a lot darker, um, such as the current summer house and the reaction to Carl and Lindsay getting engaged. But this one is is fun and it is light and I am loving every second of it. Um, light, but also deep. There are some really good deep conversations that I, I really enjoyed um, watching. So as always, if you guys like the podcast, go ahead, give it a five-star rating and leave a kind review. If you don't like things that I say, uh, you don't have to listen to the podcast. Um, if you wanted to reach out and give some constructive criticism, I am always open to hear that. Um, you can reach out to me at Mandy Slutsker on Instagram. Hope you guys have a wonderful week. We'll take a quick break and back with Emma. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, everyone. I am here with Emma Oyomba, whose epic Summer House tweets have caught my eye. She's a Bravo fan that works in PR and marketing, just like Lindsay. And we are here to discuss all things Summer House. How are you doing, Emma? I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to talk about Summer House, all the Summer Houses. All of them. How excited are you that we have Summer House Mount Vernon? I... No, sorry. <laughs> my, 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 my my I live in D.C. I can't. Yeah, <laughs> other MV. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... There's one in New York and Westchester. No, 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 no. Oh, God. But um, no, no worries. But I'm so excited about Martha's Vineyard. Like, it's great to see more people that look like me on the screen, which is great. But it's also great to get, like, a different place um, and one that's, like, very, you know, summer 
you know, friendly and people go there a lot for the summer. So I'm, I'm very excited. And I really liked the first um, episode of the season. Me too. I am realizing that the premise isn't that everyone lives in the same place and goes in summers in the same place, but they come from different locations. And so that is also interesting to me. Yeah, I really like that when I saw that they're there for like, what, 15 days straight, as opposed to like going back and forth. Because now I think it's going to be a little bit more crazy because like, they just don't leave, you know, and have a reprieve back in the city for like like, season five of Summer House when they were all stuck was so good. It was good. (laughs) They need to lock them in there and throw away the key again. (laughs) Take away their phones. We don't want to see you on your phone texting your boyfriend. We want to see you engaging. Unless unless your name is Danielle Oliveira. And then you can (laughs) stop talking. (laughs) Then we'll give you your phone and you (laughs) you can sit on the bed all you want. Oh my gosh, yes. I have, I have so many thoughts and feelings about Danielle. Let's get into it. <laughs> I mean, I feel bad for her at this point because how embarrassing must it be to have the cameras catch you in your worst moment? As, I know. As like a friend, as a person, as a, you know, individual, like all of it. This was clearly a breaking point for her. And it's hard to watch. And I know we all have feelings about it, but she's also a person. And and I don't want her to get the kind of hate that I think she's she's getting. Let Lindsay handle Danielle. Don't we don't we all don't need to handle Danielle ourselves. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, obviously I just comment on what I see on the show. Yeah. I have my my little one to two hours every Monday night. And I kind of just don't think about it until the next week. But I, you know, I have peeped on her Instagram, like comments, like people are just going at her and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I, I don't, I don't know what they think they're going to accomplish. Um, But it's, it's brutal. It is brutal. Um, But to your point, you know, she is human. So, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily think she's helping her case by responding, but I understand why she does respond. Um, oh, she's responding to the comments? She's responding and oh, she's not girl, responding. No. She's doubling down. On even this last episode? I, I haven't checked. Um, I don't follow her, but I haven't checked this last episode. But like last week and the week before, like she was, she was commenting and she was standing firm. I wonder if, I know they filmed, I think it was last week, the um, reunion. So I I don't know what came from that, but she seemed awfully quiet from what I was able to gather on, on social at least. Yeah. I think quiet is actually the better option for (laughs) (laughs) what she's been saying. I mean, I don't know your age. But mm-hmm. I'm old. <laughs> not old. No, no you're not. I'm, I'm, I'm 28. I am a decade older than you. Oh, so my God. Well, you don't look I, it. So. I know I don't look it. It's because I don't have children. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> and I drink a lot of water and I stay out of the sun. But, yeah. you know, um, not to put down people in your age demographic, but uh, there is something about being in your 20s and having really close girlfriends and feeling mm-hmm. like each other's experiences – are each other's experiences when really it's just your girlfriend's experience that you are happy for. And I've noticed that as I get older, I start separating myself 
from my friends' experiences and acknowledging like, wow, it's so amazing. You're pregnant. You're having a baby. Congratulations. How are you feeling? Knowing that it's not the same experience I'm having. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> it there's an it, like an immaturity I noticed with the whole like Sierra being like, if Paige and I were in the worst fight of our lives and Craig didn't tell me, he was proposing, it, you are not owed a notification about a proposal, okay? Yeah. You are not owed that. And the fact that people think that is, I think, again, when you're sort of like a, and it's not just age, it's a, because um, Danielle is closer to my age, it's a maturity thing, right? Mm-hmm. Where you just like somehow feel like because we went through your bad relationships together, <laughs> then I somehow have to be part of your good one. Right, right. I, compl- I completely agree with everything you're saying. And I think I, I think I learned that very early on in my like 20s, my like late teens, early 20s, because like some of my friends have gone through some crazy relationships. And it's, it's hard to kind of separate yourself, especially when you're younger. But you know, like I've just come to realize you have to let people experience things and let them come to their own decisions on their own, right? Like you can say whatever you want until you're blue in the face, but if that person's in love with another person, like they're, they don't care what you say, right? Like I'm not keeping my friends warm at night, right? Like that's their partner. So I completely can understand um, how Danielle feels like she she should be a part of of the relationship and have that you know notification that they're getting engaged, even though he said he was shopping for rings. So I would think she would put two and two together. But um, at the same time, I completely agree. I don't think she's owed any notification. Would it been nice? Would it have been nice for her to have known that an engagement party was going on? Sure, but I mean she also needs to take accountability of her actions leading up to that, you know, party. Right. And it was the complete opposite of anything a friend should be doing. So her surprise is, is very interesting to me because I feel like she's not doing a lot of self-reflecting, right? Like it's all about Lindsay and Carl and what they've done to her, but I feel like she's not taking any onus on, you know, things that on her end might have contributed to where they are in their friendship now, right? Totally. I've got two questions for you. The first Mm -hmm. is, do you think if she would have been given a heads up by Carl that she would have even shown up the weekend that the proposal was happening? That's question one. That's a great question. And I have been teetering between yes and no. I think she would have wanted to not show up, but shown up just for like the optics to then say, oh, even in like our worst fight of our friendship, I still showed up for you. Kind of like, you know, continuously trying to show that like, I've been a better friend to you than you have to me. That's like, it goes back to this whole, I've talked about this at nauseum, but when, um, oh my God, I'm totally blanking on her name, told Karen Huger, well, I was at your mother's funeral you don't ever need to tell someone. They know who was at the funeral. You never, ever need to throw it back in their face as a reason you're a good person or a good friend to them. So the okay. other question was, do you think Carl, in a sense, did tell Danielle by saying, I'm shopping for rings and had Danielle say, oh, my God, when are you thinking of proposing? 
who are you talking to about what it should look like, right? Because if they're mm-hmm. such close girlfriends and they're into jewelry, which like I'm not super into that, but I know a lot of people who will be like, this is exactly the ring I'm looking for and tell their sister, tell their best girlfriend. You tell him when he's ready, this is what I want it to look like. So like, right. you know, do you think he would have maybe gotten her in on it had she reacted that way? You know what? I I think he would have had her in on it. And here's why. Obviously, at the beginning of the season, we see Carl and Kyle, they're going through their rough patch with work and their relationship as friends. And then, you know, at some point, Kyle comes to him and lets him know, like, hey, I am actually very happy for you. I do want to put these issues aside. I hope you know that I'm always here for you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And he then includes Kyle in on what's going on. Right. And he's the only one who who um, Carl, uh, Carl includes. Um, and I think if Danielle had come to them and been like, hey, like, I know things have been rough, but I and genuinely like told them I do support your relationship um, and just been more articulate in the other reasons why, whatever those are, because I still really don't I'm not quite sure. And I don't think she is either. But um, I think if she had gone to them at some point and said, hey, like, I support your relationship. I do want to put this aside. I am happy for you. Um, And I just want you to always know that I think he would have included her. And I think he probably would have wanted to include her had none of this stuff even happened over the summer. I think so, too. I feel like had she said those things to Lindsay, all the other stuff could have been dealt with. I feel like I understand the other stuff. She just doesn't, again, articulate it well. I think it's that when Lindsay doesn't need her, she doesn't reach out as much. Mm -hmm. And... When things are good in Lindsay's life, she's not it uh, as in need of friends. And Danielle likes to be the person that's called all the time to serve mm-hmm. Lindsay. Like that was sort of the dynamic in the relationship that Danielle was a willing participant in. It's yeah. not that <laughs> it's not like Danielle spent the last seven years being like, you don't ask me questions about myself. Danielle seemed right. totally fine with how the friendship was. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's now that Danielle's struggling and Mm -hmm. she's like actually I need you to do the thing for me that I've been doing for you you just need to tell your friend right and I think it's very similar to being in like a romantic relationship where you cannot expect your partner to read your mind even if you're behaving a certain way or kind of implying certain things like you need to spell things out for your partner it's really really unfair to expect them to know what you want if you don't clearly communicate it. And I feel the same in friendships. Mm -hmm. I I absolutely agree. Um, But I think when it comes to Danielle too, like, you know, going back to that onus and accountability, I think Danielle really has an issue with like understanding that the way she shows up for people in her life is not necessarily the way that they will show up for her and hers. Right. And so like, there have been times, like I'm such a loyal person. I know you're a Taurus. I'm a Taurus. I'm such a loyal (laughs) person. I like, I go hard for the people I love. Like, and, but it's never to the detriment of like, like our friendship or myself where I'm going so overboard. Right. Like I will respect my friends and like our boundaries and know when to like chill. Danielle, like, she literally had a glass thrown at her because she got into Lindsay and Sierra's argument. Right. And I think like, yes, thank you so much for defending me, but also like there is a point in which you need to 
take a step back and realize you have some, there's some onus on you for, for why this dynamic is this way. Right. Yeah. It's like a complex. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I think like it's worked until it hasn't obviously, because now Danielle is in this point where she's like, well, why isn't Lindsay doing the same for me as I've done for her? And I think for one, like, obviously like the expectations in the friendship has changed, but also it just, it seems like, um, I just lost my train of thought. But also, I, I think like in the house, we've never really seen a time where Lindsay has needed to go to bat for Danielle so hard, right? And so, like when the other girls, like Paige and Sierra or whoever, like you've gone so hard for her, what has she done for you? It's like, I is from being in the house, like from that perspective, I feel like there really hasn't been a need for it. But I think like. Obviously, they wouldn't have been friends for, what, seven years, eight years, if, like, Lindsay wasn't, you know, having Danielle's back as well. So, I don't know. Those are my... (laughs) This would make me a terrible housewife, but I don't understand this concept of having people's backs as, like, this is sort of a litmus for what's a good friend or not. Like, I can have my own back. I can defend myself. I don't need a partner or a, like, army of friends to, quote, unquote, go to bat for me, especially if I am wrong. Like, if yeah. I'm, if I'm like, being wrong and strong, <laughs> like, going, like, you can tell me, right? At maybe preferably not in front of a large group, Right. right, like by undermining, but in private, you tell me, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't like this idea of feeling like you have to fight other people's battles, or mm-hmm. if you just decide, hey, I think my friend's right, but like I don't feel like getting involved in this mess, it's not about me, that there's anything wrong with taking a step back, you yeah, know? And I, I actually. <laughs> I actually think it's like when Robert was talking to Carl and was like, Danielle took a glass to the chest for her. Like, that's not to me impressive. That's weird. That's like you did something that was beyond needed and you put yourself in a position that escalated because you were so angry about how Lindsay was being treated, more angry than Lindsay was. Period. I mean... (laughs) No notes. Like I, I completely agree. And I think it's funny because like you would think like Lindsay, like the way Danielle acts as like a guard dog for Lindsay, you would think like Lindsay is like this like meek little feeble woman when in fact, like Lindsay can absolutely own, hold her own and she has time and time again. So like, I think it's funny that Danielle always feels the need to like to go if she went like 60%, I would understand, but she always goes like 110%. And it's so odd to me. And I like, like you were saying before, um, about how, like having people's backs and like a litmus test for friendship. Like I have friends who I know have my back, but I also know they have like anxiety and don't like confrontation. So I do know that like, if there was an issue, it's not like they don't support me and have my back, but they might not be as vocal about it in the moment. Right. Or they might try to have a conversation separately and try to like, you know, peace talks or something like that. So I, yeah, I, I think it's very interesting, the dynamic. And I would, I, I need to go back and watch previous seasons when they, we're both on and like see how it's evolved because I think that would be really interesting as well to, to see. I also think there's an element of their friendship that was about going out, drinking, partying, 
probably doing cocaine. They were probably doing cocaine with Carl, right? The three amigos. Like, what was he doing it by himself the whole time? No, like having a good time. Yeah, all of them, right? They were, you know, there's people who can use recreationally, and then there's people who have a difficult time stopping. And Mm -hmm. I, I think like a huge part of their friendship was like the work hard, party hard. And when you work in like finance or you work in PR or you work in sales and you're working these really long hours during the week and you're like going for it and then you just want to blow off steam, that seemed to kind of be the friendship. They worked hard, played hard. And then what changed was Carl not only got sober, but he found balance in work and play. And Lindsay also tried to find balance in work and play. And I think Danielle is still of the mindset, like, I'm going to make this app, I'm going to work really hard. And then I'm going to go blow off steam. And then she's like, where are they to blow off steam with? Mm -hmm. And they're kind of like, well, that's not what we do anymore. And, And so if I was Danielle, and I wanted to spend time with them. One, I would say, can we hang out as a cup, as like a group, without it feeling so coupley, and maybe just be a little bit more aware of how you're like if you're constantly doing baby talk, that makes me feel left out. You know, I right. think any couple and a third person, it's a little weird to behave that way. You know, I don't, I don't know if that's what they were doing or not, but also saying like, can we go to the beach? Can we? go on a hike can we like come up with activities that aren't just getting wasted or going Mm. out to montauk at 1 a.m yeah i completely agree and i think like that's something that especially as a new yorker you are just like going you it's like do you want to grab a drink do you want to go to this club do you want to go to this concert and it's, it's all of it unfortunately is centered around alcohol right and or drugs depending on where you're going as well so I agree with trying to give alternative places and environments for people to just like connect and have fun, but not necessarily need to go super hard or, or, you know, use drugs or alcohol in order to have fun. And I think also like that speaks to your friendship. If you need to do those things in order to feel like you're having fun and like it's old Lindsay or whatever, um, you know, that is also a red flag to me too. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's very interesting how, you know, I see Lindsay and Carl growing and growing in all aspects of their life, you know, romantically, financially, professionally. And I see Danielle, who's like, obviously she's struggling in those parts. Like she's struggling in her relationship as we know now, she and Robert are no longer together. She left her job, but she's been developing this app for like, I don't even know, over like a year or two now. Um, And it's interesting, like she feels like she needs to kind of bring them back down to a place that they don't necessarily want to be at in order to feel like they are connecting still. Yeah, it's hard, I guess, when two friends kind of like mature at different times if Mm -hmm. one lags behind and it's not and I don't consider maturity like getting engaged getting married having a kid I consider it 
finding balance in life, understanding how to communicate better, knowing how to meet people halfway or when it makes sense to go like a further distance or pull back, like just being a little bit more emotionally intelligent. And somehow Danielle just isn't progressing at the same rate they are in that. Um, I have a couple questions for you. Okay. One about Danielle, and then we'll move on from Danielle, because I've got a lot of other questions about other people in the house. But do you think the final straw between Danielle and Lindsay was how Danielle behaved at the engagement party, like going around to her friends and saying negative things. Absolutely. I, okay. I listen, if you're really my friend, I don't care how angry you are at me. If you somehow end up my, at my engagement party with all my friends and family and you're going around bad mouthing, essentially bad mouthing my fiance and myself, because you weren't necessarily involved in making about you. Like, that is the nail in the coffin. And I it clearly was bad enough because when Lindsay says in her confessional, like I had to field all of these calls and texts from my friends during the week who were telling me that Lindsay, uh, that uh, Danielle was just talking shit the whole time. Right. So I do think it was the final straw. However, a few weeks ago on watch what happens live, um, Andy had asked Lindsay if Danielle is invited to the wedding. And Lindsay said, we will see at the um, reunion. So I'm very interested to see how that goes down. Me too. Uh, I, yeah. Andy's um, kind of story that he posted was very cryptic. He was like, we have forward movement. But then he also said how like, there's somebody that was quiet during the season that speaks up a lot. So I, I, don't know my your guess is as good as mine yeah it's just it's so sad right and dania who i believe is one of Lindsay's best friends i mean she's like always on her insta stories i know she lives in dc fun fact about dania she got married during the delta surge and um the mayor of dc was the one that was officiating. And um, I believe it was supposed to start on like eight, August 1st, like a mandatory mask masking and like limiting how many people could be inside venues. And I guess like it was literally less than 24 hours and the mayor was like unmasked marrying Dania and her fiance and it became like a local news story like how dare you do this if you tell us we can't do it and you know all this stuff and it became like a national thing like Fox News picked them up and I I am like 99.99% sure it was Dania who's in PR who knows a lot of DC officials including the mayor so I thought that was hilarious I (laughs) tagged Dania in a post and she responded to me and I was like us DC girls like we don't have time for bullshit we are gsd we are get shit done girls so when she was looking at danielle and was just said this is the best day of her life cut it out and danielle was like don't do that to me i'm like oh you just aren't wanting to hear anyone say anything that's against your narrative which is exactly why kyle didn't engage with her exactly exactly and like i tweeted about this too like nobody is checking her. Nobody in that house, they are putting their hatred for Lindsay above telling this girl she's at the point where she looks crazy, right? And a real friend would do that. Like, 
Paige and Maya should have gone up to her and said something as opposed to sitting there and saying she shouldn't be doing that. And then Paige goes in bed and calls Craig and makes fun of Danielle for make, for looking a fool, right? And I think Gabby is the only one that kind of went up to her to try to like pacify the situation and kind of let her know like, okay, like, you know, calm down. It's going to be all right. Like, let's, let's move. Um, and so it's just, I I can't believe that she did that during such a, like momentous and like beautiful time and supposedly her best friend's lives. And I'm, I'm interested to see how she'll answer for it on the reunion. Cause it will definitely be brought up. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what she could say at this point. I, to, to rectify the things that she's done other than apologize. So. And so, you know, she, that this requires like some work on yourself. I think, the most important, one of the most important lessons I got from my mom that always stung whenever she said it to me, and she wasn't trying to be mean, but like mm-hmm. there were critical moments in my life where she would look at me and say, I understand you feel this way, but this isn't about you. Right. And she said that a number of like times throughout my life, um, sometimes jokingly, <laughs> um, and you know, and I had to even be checked by like my own brother when he was going through having a baby and my mom has passed and was talking about like, well, what is my dad's name going to be? And what is my stepmom's name going to be for the baby? And how is my mom? Like, what's her name? And I had opinions. I had opinions mm-hmm. on how it should be. Um, and my brother was like, but but this isn't about you. Like these relationships that like my child is going to have with their grandparents actually aren't even about me. Yeah. And so I know you have feelings. I know they're strong. I know like this mom not getting a chance to meet grandkids like brings out a lot of emotions in both of us. But like Mm -hmm. this isn't about you right now. And like what you have to say, like you you don't need to share that with others. Right. Exactly. I was like, you're right. It was like a... (laughs) It was like a 12 minute uh-huh. phone call where it was like, you know, screaming, crying, yelling, uh, quiet. Da, da, da. And then I was like, you're right. I'm sorry. Like it was one of those like my friend who I was with at the time was witnesses, witness this. She's like, wow, that's the difference between brothers and sisters. Because <laughs> the sister fight would be so different. We would have to talk so much longer. It would take days. And you guys just like hashed it out. You each said what you needed to. And then someone conceded in the end. Yeah. And right. Yeah, like, I, mean, I, I was like, you're right. Like, am I angry right now? Sure. Do I need to? I, this is something I need to manage on my own. And I'm sorry that I brought this to you. Yeah. I mean, I agree. And I think like in the beginning, and I think Danielle still doesn't understand this is like, like you can give your opinion and they can take it or leave it. And that should not really like at that point, you should just wipe your hands of it. Right. And try to figure out next steps to move on from this either with them or without them. Right. Right. Like if you think that they're moving in together too soon, if you think they're spending too much money on an apartment, again, if you don't trust your friends to make their own decisions, then maybe don't be friends with them or like know that their decisions don't impact you all the time. Like if they want to go and decide to spend a lot of money on an apartment, that's their decision. 
Mm-hmm. You know? I, okay. So going into other folks on Summer House, wanted to talk first about Sam and Corey as a couple. And if you have any thoughts on him or the like things that have been uncovered about the social media posts that he's been liking. Mm-hmm. I, um, I, I got asked to talk about it. And <laughs> I don't think people are going to like what I have to say about it. Yeah, I mean, so I I saw very briefly in passing, and I think I made a mental note in my head to go back and, like, read more, but I haven't gotten the chance to. But I did see that he apparently is, like, a Republican, which is fine, but he was liking, like, posts about um, – I don't know if it was, like, anti-Semitic or if it was just, like – I think it was just re- transphobic. Transphobic, yeah, okay. Although that yeah. can overlap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's the intersectionality, right? Um, but yeah, I, I saw that. Um, before we go into that, I will say that I truly love Sam and Corey together. Um, and they seem like each other's perfect match. I've said this time and time again. Um, I love that, like, she seems, from what I see, on social media and stuff, she seems to be very happy and like she's posting about him and he's posting about her. And it's very, you could see like the reciprocated love and energy. So I'm, I'm very happy for both of them, especially because it seems like they have big personalities, but they're hiding these like insecurities that they have about like themselves or, you know, like relationships that have hurt them in the past. And so it's nice to see, you know, especially in his confessional in the last episode that he's like, you know, I kind of, I kind of push that stuff down. I get a little quiet when I talk about emotions. So there's that. It's nice to see some dimension to Corey, especially after watching him in Winter House. Um, so yeah, so that's what I have to say about their relationship, but, um, I agree. Those, yeah. Entirely. Yeah. Those things that I saw though about him liking, I I would love to hear your opinion because I'm not too, I'm not brushed up on it clearly yet. So I don't really think I have an opinion to say yet. And I know everyone hates the term cancel culture, but I do Mm -hmm. believe that we're very quick to write off people that we see on Bravo when they share views that don't align with ours or when it's something that is hateful, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of people in this country are constantly surrounded by that kind of talk, and it is very normalized. And there is no form of bigotry more socially acceptable than transphobia. That doesn't Mm -hmm. make it right. It's just very socially acceptable. So he may not truly know, and I'm not trying to like, like how hurtful liking. And again, he he's not writing the post himself. He's not reposting right. memes. This is not a Jenny Wynn situation, right? From Salt Lake City, people forgot who she was. She posted a lot of really racist stuff about George Floyd and all that. Yeah. So I don't like to write people off because I think that there's always room for improvement and especially as someone who's seen a lot of anti-Semitism and people like anti-Semitic things, it usually comes from a place of just hearing that kind of stuff normalized and thinking it's fact rather than, you know, a conspiracy. (laughs) And also not maybe knowing a Jew. And if you meet a Jew and you get to know them as a person, it's very Mm -hmm. different, just like how back in 2020, 12, 2013, when 
gay marriage started to become more normalized was because more and more people were being open about being gay and lesbian. And so then it was like, oh, this person that I know from work or who I really like or who I go to church with or who's in my family, they're this thing, right, that I had historically thought was not good. And and now I, you know, so to it's hard. There's not as a lot as many openly transgender people as there are, you know, openly gay people. So it's harder mm-hmm. to socialize people to what that means and also how certain words can be really hurtful and certain phrases can be really hurtful. So mm-hmm. I I mean a good ex- a good example is like Giselle said something that I thought was very anti-Semitic on her podcast recently making a joke about who can afford afford floor tickets to Drake oh, it's so-and-so, like, Rosenberg's kids, bar mitzvah, whatever. Like, only a rich Jewish kid could afford the floor seats. And does this mean that I want her off the show? No, just, like, a conversation about how that's hurtful. I I think Corey will learn. He's, you know, I I, I don't know. Maybe he won't learn, right? But, like, I'm, I'm someone who doesn't like to write people off and it's easier when you're like, I'm not transgender. So if I don't really get to choose about what's offensive or not. But like as a Jew, I don't like to write people off who make anti-Semitic comments or or who like anti-Semitic comments. I, I think that there's always space because like the goal is to get everyone towards a more inclusive society. And if we de- deem people as being only good or only bad then we're kind of discounting an entire group of people that could be moved towards a more inclusive society. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, And yeah, I think, you know, with, with Corey too, like, you know, he lives in the South. um, Right. He, I understand why he may think that being able to, you know, he may think like whatever he's seeing is fine and not understand the gravity to which it can affect other people. And also, you know, he has to now learn like he's in the public eye because now he's on Bravo. Um, And so, you know, I, I hope that, you know, I still have to like read up on what it was, but I hope that he saw what people were saying and like has taken, you know, the feedback and like is trying to do the work. I think Sam also seems like very like tolerant and, you know, very open about learning about other things and will speak up for other people. And she just seems to have a lot of common sense. So I hope that maybe she's had a conversation with him about that. Um, And yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see, you know, we're also learning about Corey as things are going. Right. So I will only learn more and more about, you know, political views and all these other things. Um, And we'll just have to take it as it comes. Right. And, you know, so that's, that's my thought on it. I just don't like to like, I don't like to put people in these boxes of either you're good or you're bad or um, to write people off for having problematic social media. I think everyone can move towards a better and I and I hope it's also, you know, when and again, we only see what we see on the show. But when the conversation was happening at Salsa Night, where Danielle was opening up about, you know, kind of 
repressing her Hispanic heritage and trying to make herself more like white seeming while she was in the Hamptons. And then Gabby talked about how some people just like don't want to date black girls and and that experience that she had, like all the white people there were notably silent and listening. Mm-hmm. They weren't yeah. trying to interject. They weren't trying. And Corey as well was like listening. I was yeah. watching, you know? So yeah. I, do, I don't think like, I don't think Corey is a bad person. I don't. I don't really think any of the people, the people on, the on, on the show are bad. Are bad people. people. Yeah. Even if they like, uh, you know, do I think Lindsay? I mean, not Lindsay. Do I think Paige is a hater? Yes. Do I think like <laughs> Sierra is a hater sometimes? Yes. But I don't think any of them are bad people. And I do think like they they are trying to learn. They have been in environments where they just don't know these things and know, and they wouldn't know these things if people didn't speak up. Right. Right. And I think now that they do know, hopefully they can take that and recognize it in their everyday lives and, you know, try to do right where they can. Um, And so, yeah, I, you know, I'm happy that they all listened and I'm happy when they had that conversation last season with Maya and Sierra that they listened and they really tried to make more of an effort and, and it showed, especially with like Andrea. I was thinking I about Andrea. It's not that it's funny, but I do find it ironic that like the name that he incorrectly called Maya was the name of someone he was in love with at the time. <laughs> he called her Lexi. Right, right. You, that's how you know that girl had him sprung. Right. And he he was trying to explain himself. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's a girl that I, you know, and, and Maya's just like, you're calling, it's probably a, another black woman and you think we all look this, like, that's, I'm sure that's what she was thinking. That's what I would think if I was Maya. That's what I was right? too when I first saw it too. But obviously now, <laughs> you know, him and Lexi are back together and obviously you saw her cry. Right. Oh. Talking about like, you know, the love that she has for him. And I'm, so incredibly happy for both of them. Um, I'm happy that they, you know, can find love and that, you know, the show didn't hinder that. Yes. If anything, it him, I'm sure when she watched it back, if she did. Yeah. So, so, yeah. He's such a sweetie. Okay. And then final question before we get into Martha's Vineyard, which mm-hmm. is, and this is a complicated one. And I don't feel like you, you obviously don't feel like you have to speak on behalf of all black women, right? <laughs> but the dynamic in the house between Gabby, Sierra, and Maya, and specifically that one almost throwaway conversation that Maya and Sierra had about not connecting with Gabby, it really rubbed me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it rubbed Gabby the wrong way. But like, what's your take on that? How do you think maybe they could move forward at the reunion if it's discussed there. Yeah. I mean, for one, I think that just because you're one of few black people in a space does not mean you need to be best friends. Right. Um, But I think that it was interesting because last season Maya brought up how she didn't feel included and how, you know, her race played a factor and all of these things. And, And Sierra chimed in as well. And they wanted people to be more inclusive. They wanted people, you know, to to hear them. And so I think it's very interesting that only a few weeks in, what was it, the third or fourth week that they were having this conversation about um, Gabby, that they were saying these things because you would think that they would make the extra effort to go out of their way to not only welcome and and support um, 
another woman in the house that's new, but also another black woman in the house. Um, so I, I found the conversation interesting. I do think it rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and I wonder, I wonder if it also has to do with, I think like Gabby's socioeconomic background. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure what Sierra and Maya's socioeconomic background is, but it's clear that like the girls were not happy that, or like they were like rolling their eyes when she was like, yeah, I use my, my parents' credit card to buy my groceries or to order food or whatever. Right. And I think it's funny that like, she says these things and it's taken weirdly by Sierra and Maya, but like, Amanda literally has like a trust fund, right? Uh, Paige, she talks about like her family and like how, you know, her parents like do everything for her. They treat her like a princess. She was clearly like privileged growing up by like upstate New York standards. So I think it's interesting why when that stuff is highlighted that nobody says anything, but then when Gabby says something to that effect, right? um, It, it's a, seems like an issue. I'm not going to say it is an issue, but yeah, those those are some of my thoughts on it. Um, I do hope that they kind of move forward. I I did not think it was fair that they said that Gabby wasn't being like, there wasn't really some, any depth to Gabby or that she hasn't really shared anything because she shared quite a lot. Honestly, I think she shared more. The most. I, yeah, I think she shared the most out of all three of them, but also like, I think she shared more than Sierra's shared in the last three years, right? Like Gabby has talked about her work. She talked about how, you know, she went to another job thinking it was going to be a great career jump. And she figured she, she realized she was so in over her head. She, um, you know, talked about being a black woman. She talked about her family. She brought her sister on the show. Her parents came on the show. Like she, you know, talked about her experience in fashion and like from where she was to where she is now. And I think like Gabby is not like, she's not an influencer because she is, you know, um, in her profession, she is like, she's gotten to that point in her profession because she's good at what she does. Right. So right. I, yeah, I think it wasn't fair that they thought that she hasn't really opened up or had any depth to her. Um, so yeah, I think, I would love to see if that is addressed in the reunion, but I would also love to hear what you think about it as well. So I'm like hundred percent with you. I felt like they judged her. And again, we can only go based on what we see on the show, but I'm wondering Mm -hmm. what kind of in-depth quote unquote real conversations is Sierra having? Cause I don't see her talk about anything of quote unquote substance. If she has such a barometer for what substance is you know she is an ICU nurse she has the only time I've heard her talk about it was when Carl's brother died and she talked Mm. about how many people she has seen die and what witnessing death has done to her I wanted her to expand on that that is a unique situation that not a lot of people experience but certainly a lot of first responders nurses and doctors especially those working in ER ICU that they see regularly. Um, mm-hmm. So I do feel like there's this um, judgment that kind of reminded me of how Candace Dillard Bassett has been treated on the Real Housewives of Potomac as someone mm-hmm. who has generational wealth 
as a black woman whose mom helped purchase part of her townhouse. She no longer lives in that house. But this whole like, you know, it's a uh, it's kind of almost like not it's like very accepted amongst white people for parents to help pay for weddings, pay for down payments on houses, buy cars for their kids. And people look at that as like, oh, that's success. And aren't we trying to achieve that level of quote unquote excellence? And we can get into black excellence in just a second because that comes up in Martha's Vineyard. But then Mm -hmm. when you actually see a, a black girl or black woman that has been handed those things without having to work for it because they have generational wealth it's it's like you didn't have to I don't know this whole idea that you have to struggle in order to be considered a decent person is um I think a problematic like and a success it's like everybody feels like people of color or like you know people of a lower socioeconomic background like they have to pull up their themselves by the bootstraps all on their own and if they haven't and if they had any type of help from family or whatever that that then invalidates their success. Right. And so it's really, it's, it's annoying seeing that, you know, happening. Um, and and I completely agree with you on your points as well. Um, let's jump into Martha's Vineyard. So, um, okay. We've got so many different characters and we're not going to be able to go through all of them. Right. Or not, no. <laughs> but a couple key things. So there is Jasmine and her husband, Silas, who kind of right. seem to, be uh, bringing the group together. And Jasmine's best friend is Jordan. They all met while being like Playboy playmates or something like that. Um, that Interesting. Jordan is single, very pretty and very sought after by a number of the men in the house. And Silas doesn't seem to like that his wife is friends with a single woman and that they both go out and party. Wanted to know your thoughts on like, did this raise any red flags for you? The kind of obsession that Silas seemed to have and what kind of vibes were you getting from Jasmine? Yeah. I mean, I thought it was very like, I think Jordan, for example, seems very level-headed and I think she like I think she has a great head on her shoulders and and I loved the way she explained herself at the dinner table. Um, and so but to speak to what Silas had said, it, it's very interesting because it seems a little bit controlling. It also seems a little bit like you can't trust your wife. Um, it also seems a little bit like you can't trust your wife to make decisions for herself and or do the things that bring her joy, you know, in that moment, right. Within reason. And so that whole conversation was a little weird. And also I thought it was odd to bring it up at the dinner table in front of everybody. Right. Because like, if you're going to like, essentially call me out of my name and say like, I'm a party girl and I'm causing your wife to party and stay out till three or 4 AM. Like I would have appreciated you coming to me personally to have that conversation. Right. Um, but also did I, I'm not sure if this was confirmed, but did he have that conversation with Jasmine before even bringing it up to Jordan? I, yeah, I don't think it was said. And if he didn't, I think that was a blind side to both of them. And I don't think that's fair because what does Jasmine have to say about this to your earlier point? You know, she is going to have his back, but I, I hope that in private, she talks to him and says, hey, you know, I 
I wish you came to talk to me about this first, or this is how I feel about that. Or, you know, it's, but she seems like that's my man and I'm a stick beside him. And I, I, I can appreciate it. I don't have a man. So I, <laughs> I have not been in, you know, like a union where I'm like going to go so hard and like let him say whatever and, and follow his lead. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing more of their relationship. And, and from what we see from previews of the season, I think we start to see some cracks come up. So I wonder if that has to do with this controlling behavior, not saying that he is, but from what we've seen so far. Yeah. It's also, I think just hard to film a show being like the quote unquote couple in the house Mm-hmm. You know, we even the relationships that we think are doing pretty well, we still see arguments, things that normally happen behind closed doors and like little tufts and disagreements are now caught on camera. So then everyone's like, oh, my God, that relationship is terrible when really like maybe we're catching like one percent of the relationship and like ninety nine is like fine. So <laughs> I always like to give couples the benefit of the doubt, particularly in like a summer house, winter house situation. Um But, okay, another question is, so Bria brings her emotional support animal, um, and it sounds like she didn't run this by anyone, except for, of course, production, because production had to know there was some dog coming. I have a dog. I love my dog. I love bring her places with me. I don't think I would ever come somewhere without letting people know she was with me, but also... Mm. I would never, ever have her share a pool with other human beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that, mean... That was nuts. Yeah. <laughs> You're letting your dog in the pool? Like, that is a crazy town. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I love dogs. But I think, like, one thing about Black people, they either love dogs or they hate them. Yeah. And I, you know... It doesn't seem like it was the issue of having the dog, like, and good thing that nobody was, like, allergic. Like, I'm allergic to cats, and that would have, like, killed me if I had any cat dander, right? But I think that it's more about not letting them know. It's fine that it's your emotional support animal. I think she felt kind of entitled to, like, have her dog there and not say anything because she's like, oh, well, I can have him by law wherever, right? But... I do think she should have definitely said to the group, hey, I just want to let you know I have an emotional support animal. I wanted to bring him to the house, you know, for the summer, for the two weeks. Like, is anybody allergic? Does anybody have any questions or concerns? You know, whether that's like the dog being um, potty trained or barking or all of these things that, you know, can impact your time somewhere. Right. Um I do think that Jasmine, the way Jasmine went about it was a little, she came on a little strong, but also like, like Bria, you know, I don't, I don't know. I think it was two personalities that were like not budging, right? Like Bria Mm -hmm. looks like she can own. And I think like Jasmine is probably not used to like somebody coming in and like holding their own, like, like Bria. Yeah, I also like if you have a dog that sheds and you bring them somewhere, you should always have one of those roller sticky things. I don't know what they're called, but like a lint roller all the time with you because your dog's hair can get on things and it's not it's not fair. They may, you know, not want that. 
And mm-hmm. so when she was like, what am I supposed to do about it when the dog's hair was I'm like, no, you literally find tape or you find yeah. a lint roller or you find a dust buster and you remove that hair. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, but and I love dogs and I want them like all over me all the time. But I do with the swimming like that's actually a hygiene issue. So mm-hmm. in order to have dogs use your pool, um, you have to change the content of chlorine. Oh, yeah. um, It's a like thing. I I know this because my dad and stepmom live in Florida most of the year. And so some people do have dogs go in pools, but they have to change the chlorine content because like, you know, the I don't know, they have like little remnants of like feces on their butt and like things like that that need to be that you can't get sick from, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Also, emotional support animals aren't the same thing as service animals. And so I don't think there is any legal like regulation saying that they can be with you at all times. Um, but but that's not either nor there. I think people should be able to bring dogs wherever they want as long as it doesn't no one's allergic or anything like that. Um mm-hmm. Okay, so two people that I'm kind of really interested, actually three that I'm the most interested in and want to get your thoughts. The first is Preston because he lives in D.C. and I actually know of him. Um, So he like is very big in black queer spaces and where like laws and things are happening. He's like very engaged in the D in what's going on in DC. I'm also really interested in Mariah because she seems to have no trouble calling people's bullshit out. And I find that interesting. Also the fact that her and Jasmine lived in a car together, like what a story and that she's got a young girl. Like I want to know kind of the backstory on that. And the third is Alex who is John Legend's cousin. Um, And that's interesting enough. But the fact that like, He's vegan. His body is a temple. He's like done some self discovery. Like, I just find that interesting. I want to hear more <laughs> about his journeys. <laughs> I, yes, I would love to hear more about how Alex got from point A to like point D. Um, <laughs> and I like, whatever a man is like, my body's well, I, I want to know how he got there. I want to know the self-actualization process and everything. So I'm interested to see that. I'm also interested to see the dynamic between Alex and Amir in terms of courting Jordan, if you know that happens. Um, and yeah, but Preston, I, I love Preston. I loved when he spoke about the dinner table. I loved that. I thought it was extremely refreshing because the conversations that they were having at the table, whether or not it pertains to race or uh, black excellence, like you would never catch a conversation like at that level happening on like summer house or winter house. I just, I don't think any of the cast really has the capacity to speak as eloquently as like Preston has, which I, I, I loved hearing him speak. And I think I could hear him speak for the rest of my life. So he is, he's one of my favorites um for sure on the show and then and yeah and mariah like i i she she came in she said (laughs) she was like we're not gonna have a problem if you don't bring any problems and i i was like period she seems to you know know what she wants and especially because she has a young kid like she i know she has no tolerance for bullshit at this point um but i would love to hear more about how her and jordan slept or sorry her and jasmine 
sleeping in a car. Like I also want more backstory to how they kind of all ended up at that like Playboy, um, working at like Playboy and the where wherever they were restaurant. Yeah, or, what was that um, like? How you know? Yeah, but I'm happy that they all, for the most part, know each other, and like they have these other friendships, and it's not like them coming on and being complete strangers. Um, I thought it was interesting how like Bria kind of was like, oh, I have no issue with, um, with Jasmine, you know, like we like work together. It's fine. And Jasmine was like, she's just a coworker. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. It was so was good. Like, There's, oh uh, my God. Are there, <laughs> there, are, there are things lying beneath the surface that we need to uncover. It surely I think will. There, covered there are are there any other cast members that like stood out to you um not necessarily I thought it was funny well I didn't think it was funny I thought Amir saying he was like black and Lebanese was interesting I thought like he was trying to kind of play that like mixed card because he looks just black but come to find out that you know he was raised by his like Lebanese side of his family and he confided in the group about how he didn't really um, know how to take care of his hair and his skin and stuff until he was like around 24. Personally, I'm like, you couldn't have watched a YouTube video when you were like 16 about some of these things, but like, I get it. Um, so I'm happy that like, he's able to be in an environment with like, you know, the other people, like the other side of his, uh, family, like, you know, his black side and being in an environment and have these conversations and kind of learn more. I wonder what his views are. Um, on certain things and I wonder if that'll come out as the season progresses as well what so. do you mean by views on certain things just if like for example he's like um, brought up by his Lebanese family like how Lebanese side of his family as uh-huh. he said I wonder how that impacted like his um, political views how that maybe impacted like you know how he treats women or you know all of these other kinds of societal social things yeah um, you so know who yeah. else is Lebanese? Who? Kristen Doty. Shut up. Yeah. She's from Dearborn, Michigan, which is a oh large um, Lebanese population. I yeah. had no idea. Yeah. So, oh so the question is for me is like, is he actually raised by his mom who was born in Lebanon or are they just like Lebanese, like multiple generations the way, you know, that some of the women in Jersey are Italian? Like, they're Italian, right? They are. Yeah. But if you, like, came from Italy, it's sometimes a different experience. Absolutely. Yeah, like, being, like, a first-gen coming here, raising a family, and, like, I, I can understand that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I would love that clarification as well, and hopefully we get to hear that. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to see this little potential love <laughs> triangle, it seems. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, I I like as a whole. I like the cast. Um, I'm interested to hear more from Nick, um, and like him in the whole closet thing and the clothes, and you know that was very interesting. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I I there are big personalities in this house, and they seem like they don't play, and I think it's going to make for great TV. So. I'm excited. I'm excited too. I think it's going to be so, so fun. And 
I'm glad people are getting uh, a platform and I feel like they're going to get renewed for season two because they're already getting a lot of viewers and I'm just, I'm, I'm here for it. Some tea, don't mean to spill, and this isn't my tea, but the Brooke yeah. Ashley, she is a YouTuber and I watched mm-hmm. her recap of, of Summer House Mother's Vineyard <laughs> and she said that a lot of people online were coming out saying that Amir had a girlfriend and he was just allowed to film like for this period. And the other piece of tea was that part of the cast filmed for 30 days and the other part filmed for 15. And so not sure how that's going to show, but they're making it seem as if everyone was there for 15 days. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I So I did read um, in passing about how Amir had a girlfriend and and that whole thing, which is interesting. Um, why would he come on the show and not say that? It's a very bachelor thing, like, or bachelorette. Yeah. There always have people who are, like, trying to make it and get some followers and get fame and notoriety towards whatever their end goal is, like becoming a musician or whatever it is. So... But I feel like just like um, Bria's boyfriend's German and he lives in Germany and he flies over, like I feel like um, Amir's girlfriend could have come in as well and we could have probably seen that dynamic. I think it would have added to the drama, especially if he's like, I have my eyes on Jordan, because I think whether or not he has a girlfriend, like he still has eyes for Jordan, right? So his girlfriend watching that episode on Sunday night, I would have been pissed, right? (laughs) I think, I don't know, or is he just acting, right? Like, is he, because the whole, I don't know, something about him is off. Like, how he talks about himself, how he, I don't know, maybe he always felt uncomfortable, you know, being a black man raised by non-black family, and, like, maybe he was raised in an area that didn't have a lot of black people, so he felt like he had to sort of fit in, and so then he went out of his way to do, to, like, behave a certain way, but... He does not seem like someone who is comfortable in his own skin to me. Yeah. No, I I, I completely agree. Um, and I, I, yeah, I, I completely agree. And I really want to see how we like peel back the layers or even like take off the mask as, as the season goes on, because it definitely is going to come off. I don't know when, I don't know how, but it will, because I, you know, they, they obviously know summer house, like OG summer house is a thing. And I guess they know how to, I guess, portray themselves. And so, and like, that's the thing too. Um, When we talk about like casting and stuff, like Gabby and Sam, like they are essentially influencers and, you know, Gabby has a fashion job. Sam has a um, like her own like agency or something, but like they still like, they make a lot of money through influencing. Right. So like mm-hmm. they know I need to come on the show and I need to be awesome. How do I do that? So I feel like Amir too might be kind of trying to play that game, especially if he came on the show and is acting single and had an actual girlfriend in the meantime. So I think, What's unique about Gabby and Sam compared to pretty much everyone else I think we've seen in our screens on, except for maybe Preston, mm-hmm. like they are themselves and it's almost as if they don't know how to be another person. They're unapologetic. They're unapologetic, but like, it's almost like even if they wanted to do something to fit in, they, they couldn't. So when mm-hmm. Sam was given that note by Maya, like, Hey, you talk too much. 
she could have taken that and changed how she behaved. But like, it turns out she's the kind of person that actually can't or won't. And Mm -hmm. that's what made them stand out is that they were so themselves. And you can, because you don't see other people being that way. No like, way. Oh, that's interesting. That's a different personality. I haven't seen that personality. Maya. <laughs> but for the worst. <laughs> Maya, I can't quite put a finger on her personality other than she's like extremely judgmental and negative towards most things. Oh, so it's like she sucks the air out of the room. Yeah. And I, like, I hate yeah. to say that about her because I actually, I have tweets I have tweets, Maya, if you listen to this, like I have tweets about you from season from your first season here. And like I liked her and I and I loved what we were seeing. And I couldn't wait for her to come back so that we could see more. And now I don't even think we're seeing more. I think we're seeing like a different person. It's like she was replaced with like an evil twin or something. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know if she's trying to keep her spot on the show so she could be there next season. I don't know, but I don't like it. I have one final question for before you wrap. Mm-hmm. Going back to Summer House in the Hamptons, mm-hmm. one of the criticisms that I've heard of Lindsay from people on the cast is that she's very calculating and mm-hmm. she uses her background in PR and marketing to like plant stories or to like come across a certain way, get the audience on her side rather than like just be real with the other castmates. As someone who has background in PR marketing, like do you see that from what we witness on the show? Cause we don't know what we don't know. Right. Right. Um, I I do think like Lindsay has been in PR for so long that I think she might do things out of habit. Like, you know, like she might be doing things and not realizing she's doing it. I'm not necessarily saying like, I'm not trying to give her an out, but when you work in something so long, you kind of, you just know it's kind of a part of your DNA. So that could be a reason as to why they might feel like she's a little bit calculated. Maybe she's just like, I've done this for brands. I've done this for over a decade. I assume like it's just whatever. Um, I feel like I don't necessarily see it, but I, I could 110% believe that it's true. Do I think she's doing it all the time? Not necessarily, but also like what I will say is like Lindsay has been the storyline for the last, like what, two, three seasons across winter house and summer house. Like, I don't even think like Bravo execs or producers care if she's being calculated because she's been one of the only ones bringing it every single season. Like the storylines, the drama, her real takes on things, like she's been the one bringing it. As it pertains to maybe things being planted in the press, like for example, when um, Amanda went on Watch What Happens Live and Andy asked her a question about like um, the... Dumois post about Kyle cheating on her and they thought like oh it's very interesting the timing like and it was alluding to like Lindsay maybe planting it I I thought that was like the Tom Sandoval like someone who would want to get the heat off themselves right right and listen whoever it was I don't know but like I, I couldn't speak to that kind of stuff but I feel like why would Lindsay do it like if yeah. anything especially having a PR mind and knowing how things played out already like 
like I think Lindsay knew that like it would fall in her favor. Mm-hmm. You know, like at this point, like it couldn't have ever been editing because like everybody is just showing their true colors. Like Lindsay yeah. was just in her life and responding to people who were doing stuff to her. And I think she, you know, she was just like, this is, this is all I can do. And she was just living her life and being happy. And so, you know, it is what it is. And it worked. And I think like, if this was her master plan, it worked. And Paige and Sierra and Maya and Amanda all fed into her big grand plan, if that's what it was. Right. And they all call her like people say she's narcissistic, whatever. But like a narcissist would be someone who sees, who thinks that they're the victim in every situation, like in every single situation. And that every, like, I don't know, I just feel like, I don't, I don't I'm not making any sense at this point, but they wouldn't they they would think the audience would be on their side, but then when the audience sees it, they're not mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. a thing as opposed to the opposite. Like I don't know that like Lindsay's like not been liked by the audience a lot in the past. She's yeah. done a lot of like shitty things or said things in kind of really harsh ways that don't mesh well with people, um, especially people like Amanda who kind of need things to be sugar-coated and dealt with, like, softly. And so, I don't know, but, like, I don't, yeah, I don't think she has a master plan. I think she's in love with Carl, and she she got rid of her master plan. She wrote it all down, like, this is the year that I'm getting married, and this is when I'm having babies, and this is when all this is happening. And then she's like, I'm ripping it all up. Like, it all got messed up I broke up with Stravi I dated this other guy I had a miscarriage like fuck it like none of it happened the way I thought it was going to I'm just gonna live and then Mm -hmm. while she was just living it kind of came together yeah and I think you know they've they've all done shitty things I mean I don't think the worst thing that Lindsay has done, which I couldn't even tell you off the top of my head but I don't think the worst thing that she could have done would warrant all of the things that are happening on this season and how everybody's just like always ganging up on her. It's so odd. Um, But like there are layers to people and like people can change. And I think like the Lindsay from season one to Lindsay at season seven, completely different. And I would hope so. Right. Just like Carl when he was on season one to now, like he has done a complete like 180. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think it's, I think it's interesting that like, and Carl was like a fuck boy. Like Carl was like the male version of like a Lindsay at one point, right? Like worse, way worse because he hurt yeah. people. I don't think Lindsay Absolutely. was going around trying to hurt men, right? And I think that it's interesting that like the girls can, the girls who like knew uh, Carl during that time can forgive him and like support him on his sobriety and all of the things, but they can't support Lindsay who is supporting a man that they all apparently say that they care about. Right. Yeah. I, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't compute. And I just, at this point, I think it's just them hating the fact that this girl who was once this girl is now this girl. And she's gotten all of the things that I think a lot of them eventually want in life. And they're like, why her or whatever. But She's just been apologetic, unapologetically herself. And, you know, here she is. So here she is. And here you are. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Thank you for just taking the time to dive into all things Summer House, Summer House, Martha's Vineyard, not Mount Vernon. Um, <laughs> and tell everyone where they can find you and all your amazing commentary that you have on these shows. Yes. Well, you can follow along on Monday nights um, and now Sunday nights with Martha's Vineyard. Yes. Uh, at Emma underscore Oyamba um, on Twitter. And I am also on Instagram and TikTok at Emma Oyamba. Amazing. Well, we'll have to get you back on, especially if you watch some of the other shows, because I think your analysis is so interesting. And I'm often like, yes, yes, like looking at your tweets. <laughs> I know. It's it's so funny how they blown up, but I'm just like, I don't know. I have a lot of common sense. So I'm like, how does nobody see it like this, right? Like, how could you even see I, it that I way? I think a but, lot of people see it the way you see it. They just don't, um, aren't as good with their words. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there are so many others that are really great with their words. I think Giselle, uh, who was your guest last week. Oh, I yes. Love, love watching her recaps on TikTok. She says everything better than I could have ever said it. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, but it's a great, I think, community. And I really do look forward to, to live tweeting and, and Monday nights. Yay. Okay. Have a great rest of your night. Thank you. Thank you. You too.